This week's episode was brought to you by Andrew McClure, No One You Know, and the mighty Nikita Von Galaxor. If you also enjoy The Whole Rabbit and would like to help support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash thewholerabbit, where your monthly donation of just $5 gets you access to our entire library of extended episodes, access to our Discord server where we research, stream, and record the show. But not only that, for a limited time, you'll not just get a 5x5 vinyl sticker of our cover art. Oh no, you'll get a limited edition 3x3 holographic sticker designed by Mari Sama herself sent at no additional cost directly to you. If you'd rather save your 5 bucks for discounted video games, I don't blame you. You can always join us for free during our community nights on YouTube where we stream games, hang out, and do live Q&A. We're still settling on a regular schedule, so stay tuned for that. This week's episode is about the surprisingly controversial issue of the witch's familiar, spirit animals and power totems. We answer the question, can your pet be a familiar? And begin steering the conversation towards the spiritual and sacred nature of animals, both incarnate and symbolically. We discuss snakes, dung beetles, but mostly the stereotypical black cat. In the extended show, we discuss wolves, jackals, the filga, and the fetch. I think it's next week we're going to talk about burbs. Thank you, and enjoy the show. So if you live in a house with somebody else's pet, is it kind of your pet too? Do you have pets? I mean, it's communal, but I mean, when the, when the animal bonds to somebody and they're your familiar, it's like, it's almost like they don't have the same relationship with somebody else. I can I agree know. with that. I when feel they like... bond to one person, they treat that one person differently than other people. Soul bonded. Yeah. Like at Rick and Morty. Is it possible to have a pet? And then that pet bonds with a stranger or a roommate that doesn't properly own the animal more than you. And it's possibly because that animal is that person's familiar. Yes, that could happen sometimes. Like you can yeah. have a cat around that you feed or whatever, and it will bond to somebody else in the area. Especially cats. They're extremely selective. Dogs, if you feed them and take care of them, then they'll pretty much will choose you, but. I used to have that power over cats when my voice register was a little higher. They would just, I, I would be able to make different noises and stuff and like stray cats would just be like, what is this guy talking about? And just come right up to me. Aw, yeah, they know that you're like talking to them and that you're a, I feel like they can see that you're a peer, like you're another person like, oh, I haven't seen someone to talk to in like five years. It's so good to see somebody like you. Like you can see that they have a connection and an attraction towards you. Yeah, I was much shorter. I wasn't six foot, you know, three. So they were like, this guy isn't so intimidating. You can be given a Pokemon, but it's not inevitable that that Pokemon is going to love you. Like like Pikachu and Ash. <laughs> Charizard. Charizard's yeah. just like, no, fuck you, Ash. I want Charizard was a dickhead. <laughs> he was an agent of the fucking writers. To keep the show going. I thought you meant like the Rough Riders. Yeah, Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, God. There was a Charizard in the Spanish-American War. Didn't anybody tell you? And he, he brandished a 9-11. He brandished a 9-11? Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Whole Rabbit, where we do more than just have prolonged erotic fantasies about half-animal, half-spirit husbandos and then shame the entire internet for believing their pet is a familiar because we have sex with ours and use fancy Celtic names to prove it. Nay, we have prolonged erotic fantasies about half-animal, half-spirit husbandos and then talk about why cats are spirits, too, because this week we're discussing some hot witch talk controversy what the are familiars anyway but i think we're mostly going to talk about animals 
let's be real. Woo. I'm your host, the hacking rabbit who's easily distracted by sales on Steam for Thanksgiving. Sorry. I'm joined this week by our co-host, the wolf in dog's clothing, Marisama. Woo. The wretched, wretched warlock, Darth Dingus. I got the high score in the violent hick simulator. I'm so jealous. Malachor 5, the spirit keeper at the convenience crossroads. <laughs> The incense for $2 plus tax. And Heka Astra, the Artsa Akka, which is just her name backwards, or perhaps just how Jar Jar Binks would pronounce it. Welcome! <laughs> it's like, uh, it reminds me of Zatanna, how she, like, spoke all of her spells backwards. Well, that's what you do if you're a proper chaos sorcerer magician. You have to, you should speak spe- backwards as much as possible, but especially when you're speaking to the old ones. I think her doppelganger yeah. had her name spelled backwards too, like Anataz. So yeah. maybe, am I just like my doppelganger today? <laughs> I have a little bit of a confession to make as somebody who makes a show about esoteric concepts. I've noticed that most of the people in the Discord, if there's a unifying quality to them, it's maybe not so much that they're ritual practitioners of magic. It's that they have some of the most adorable pets and well taken care of animals I have ever seen. So I'm pretty sure the algorithm that watches over the internet thinks that I'm selling rabbits or that this is a show about pet rabbits. We could probably play off of that in some strange way. I had a theory at one point the podcast was actually for the pets instead of the proper listeners who were playing the show on their device. Anyway, I'm a crazy person. All right. Are you asking me in the notes here if I want to read the Bible? Well, yes. uh, before we... Uh, get there. I guess uh, it's always that. Bible time. Uh, having an animal definitely does teach you some cool shit, and I think that's what we're going to try to get to in this episode. I guess in the history, uh, practicing magic and stuff like this, and you know, telling everybody you use your animal to do all this crazy shit has always been uh, looked down upon, especially here in the West. Well, even now on YouTube, it's looked down upon. If you f- have a witch that claims her pet is her familiar, there's another video that's like, No, that's not your That's right. It's what? not a familiar if it can't, like, snake its weird animal tongue all the way up your cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the astral, it's right? It's pretty familiar. <laughs> no, but I think this comes from the people misconstrue that your familiar is like a bonded animal. And then we'll read below that the Bible condemns this activity. But what it is, is having a, a spiritual relationship with an animal while you're both alive is what that means. And yeah, okay, I could see if you have a spirit that's not embodied, that is your guide, then yes, you could probably do that with them on the astral. But when you're talking about an animal that you like live with, and that, of course, that you have that that bond together. To me, that's what it's talking about. And then other people would explain it as like, it's like an animal soulmate. So people get confused because also people think, oh, you need to marry your soulmate or they need to be your, you know, they need to be your mate or whatever. And that's not necessarily true either. A lot of times you should probably learn from your soulmate and avoid staying with them for long periods of time because they're supposed to guide you. They're not necessarily supposed to be there forever or do your bidding or any of that stuff. I think the heavy bias comes from like the fact that you can have sex with a familiar. That doesn't mean that you like have to have sex with your familiar, but for the people that if you do, do you go to hell. 
Well, the people that do have sex with their familiars are obviously going to have this heavy bias that, like, your pet can't be your familiar because, like, obviously bestiality is wrong. So, yeah. like, there's an, there's an automatic wall that they have. But that's their personal relationship and experience, and they're trying to extrapolate it out onto how everyone has that experience, and that's not necessarily always the case. Well, it's, I don't know, I feel like uh, when... When magicians discuss these topics on social media, they often want to be right. Yeah. Or, or they want to be right because if somebody else had a different experience, that shakes their faith, I guess yeah. you could say. I think I'm too open-minded to like say that you can't have your pets as your familiars. I think it's kind of like this amorphous idea to have this spirit that helps you whether you have sex with it or not. Like I know my dog helps me I mean, constantly. I'll like turn to him and be like, where is this thing? Because I know he's good at like hunting stuff and he can smell where everything is in the house. So I just, if I lose something, I turn to my dog and I'm like, Hide, where is this thing? And it just pops into my head. Like, he's really good at this. Yes, this is All a right, magical just... quality of your dog. If you're missing your keys, and I don't think it's because he can smell them. Maybe he can, but you ask his aura, hey, Hide, where's the missing keys? And you like, boom, instantly almost have your hand on them. And this yeah. happens like 80% of the time you ask. It's it like using lots. a simpler creature as a divination tool. Yeah, that too is a lot of you them can, also serve for that. Well, it, like, to some not, extent, it, it gives you like a little bit of control. But I, I'm not going to have sex with my dog, but he is a helpful animal spirit in my daily life. I won't like, you know. have sex with the ghost of a dog. You know what? <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there now. If you're fucking ghost dogs, not even ones on like two legs, just straight up dogs. Good for you. I, I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> you guys, I, think, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you're not harming a real manifest animal go for it oh. i mean yeah okay nobody's being harmed but fucking weirdo i'd feel weird if they looked at my dog uh some conspiracy theorists like i guess like the ancient aliens angle on like some of the uh, egyptian myth is that some of the breakout groups like would take animals into the caves and like do alchemy on them and apparently this is how some of the you know ancient alien episodes are like the gods that you see in the hieroglyphs are the result of you know <laughs> mad science <laughs> it's like oh my god like this, this stuff gets crazy you know, what, what is this like mad alchemy instead of Frankenstein's monster? It's for like Imhotep's monster. <laughs> I, uh, I hey, heard you that know, all... I mean, if they, if they fucking make Anubis, do they go it's alive or it's dead? <laughs> <laughs> I heard that all the Atlanteans died off because they had sex with dinosaurs. So I don't know. They get That's they got dinosaur <laughs> herpes. A single dinosaur herpes will turn you inside out. I identify as a dinosaur, so that offends me. <laughs> oh, God, that's like other kin territory. I mean, have you ever had dinosaur herpes? Well, when I got punched me neither. I a child, I would fall over like a T-Rex, so... He has the privacy of medical information. He doesn't have to respond to that. Anyway, I'm going to lace your cigarettes <laughs> with sodium pentothal. Having an animal familiar is, is a no-no, apparently, in the Bible. Are we going to read the Bible now? Well, I feel like because the Bible teaches that animals aren't spiritual, get spiritually gifted like humans, to have a spiritual relationship with a lower animal is right. a sin to God or whatever. Fun fact, one of the most asked questions in any any church, any circle of Christianity is, will my dog go to heaven? Say yeah. no. 
That's a legitimate concern. That that's is a, a very legitimate, legitimate concern. I feel like there's going to be more dogs there than people. If yeah, I agree. If that's a thing, you know. It's just all dogs, no people. They don't let hard, people in. It can be hard for a dog to escape the cycle of incarnation and suffering. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 31. Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. I guess it's bad to fuck a man with a beard that's longer than his chest. <laughs> Leviticus 19. Chapter Only if it's longer than his chest. Only if it's longer than his chest. If it's shorter, you're good. Then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off and all that go whoring after him to commit whoredom with Moloch from among the people and the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards go... What is this fucking vernacular? And the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a-whoring after them. I will set even my face against that soul and I will cut him off from among his people. Sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy for I am the Lord your God, bitch. <laughs> well, there you have it. God says don't do this. This is bad stuff. Yeah, there's not even... Because animals are dirty, apparently. It's like uh, it's like those people that lock dogs in boxes for stinking up for like stinking up the house too much. Familiars are bad. Just wash okay. the dog. Yeah, and then even in some the older folklore that we're about to talk about, the familiars were actually consumed. Like we talked about in the demon episode, so they're like a smaller demon that is granted to the witch for them to gain their um, supernatural powers from Satan. So they make a deal with you know the devil, right? And then and they're then they bestowed. They're bestowed their spirit or their demon in the form of an imp. Really took the form of a cat. You were breaking up a lot, but I agreed with what I heard. They would think that the imp or the uh, familiar is the holder of the power. So if the witch loses the imp or it's killed, if someone kills the witch's black cat or something, apparently, according to legend, they power. I think that's interesting, too, because like uh, a human being in possession of or having their very own imp implies that they've changed in a significant way and have developed generative power. Yeah. I guess that's very much like the idea behind The Crow, the movie. Oh, yeah. It's like a great example of a familiar that's badass. It's done yeah. very tastefully. I feel like it's done for good, and I feel like that's a good way to use this kind of power. Done for revenge. Yeah, Bryce Lee is done for good. Or Brandon Lee. Brandon Was Lee. Was it Brandon Lee? Okay, yeah. yeah. I got him confused with the Bruce Lee parody in fucking Death Road to Canada. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The original Crow was like all retribution, right? Spoilers. In order to kill Brandon Lee, the bad guy has to hurt the Crow familiar, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just hire Alec Baldwin. <laughs> and then spoilers. They get the fake Brandon Lee to come back and make five more Crows. <laughs> I've never read about this in any of... The hermetic texts I've read or the philemic texts I've read, but everyone seems to know that if you are being astrally attacked by somebody or have the jealousy eye or somebody's wilting you with their their hate beams, your plants and animals oftentimes will absorb the hit for you. Mm. And you can tell if you've been cursed or hexed because your favorite plant or your favorite animal might suddenly die even. It's happened with it's me. Interesting. Yeah, with my cat when I was doing Galatia back in the day. No fun. That doesn't you know, sound fun. No, it doesn't. Especially Maybe. when when it's your intention to go seeking that kind of, you know, magical working. It's it's like, yeah, it's my fault. 
fuck. But that happens to people with no magical inclinations. Likewise, I don't think it's fair to say that somebody's pet cannot act in a magical way for them. I don't know if calling them a familiar is going too far, but I don't think it is. If we look at the definition, in European folklore of medieval and early modern periods, familiars, sometimes referred to as familiar spirits, were believed to be supernatural entities that would assist witches and cunning folk in their practice of magic. Just how Mari said. Like they would be sent out to do their bidding, collect things uh, for, you know, potions or recipes. You could use them to divinate or see things and sense things that you can't sense with your own senses. To play devil's advocate against the people I was making fun of in the introduction of the show that does sound like having a spirit be used as a fetch yes and it's the related I- and the idea that you can use your own fetchingness to get other people to do things for you i can see how there would be a relation between sexual energy and one's spirit familiar I just don't think it's limited to that necessarily, but I do see the connection. Last night, I took five tabs of acid and drank almost an entire handful of strong gin. And uh, at some point, I just got kind of laid up with one of my roommates and we were watching uh, video game corruption videos. I think it was Corruptions of San Andreas. But I noticed he has pet rats. And I noticed that one of these rats tried to take his glasses. And you you were talking about an animal being a fetch and you can have animals go find things for you, go get things for you. People used to live in in, in thick swarms of rats in their houses that could just be stealing their shit. Like, like stealing their food, like intelligent mammals this big. That's kind of fucked up. I would want a cat cat. in that situation. Hell yeah. And I've worshipped that cat because... They thought cats were of the devil. Well, not everywhere. The fools! It did make the rats worse, and that did make the plague worse. Yeah, they burned too many cats and foxes, and the plague started. There's a balance. The worst rap. The snake gets the worst rap of them all. I guess the worm, I would say, is way lower, but like even then, it's like nearly immortal. I think worms deserve their reputation because I'm pretty sure, well, I'm not pretty sure, but at least a lot of fucking worms are just things that live in your body. Well, they also... (laughs) can't defend themselves at least snakes are um, given fangs as a weapon and, and poison it seems obvious there's some truth to this being a really big drawback of monolithic patriarchal religion the idea that nature is bad and that it must be subjugated and that it's corrupt you can't talk to them or understand them as just a farce But like once you get away from that perspective, you realize like every other culture on Earth has seemed to notice that animals are a pure manifestation or a crystallization of spirit. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful sentence. Likewise, if you are bonded with your pet in a way that makes you like their parent or their keeper, you have a connection with an animal spirit. So in a way, everybody's well taken care of pet is a bit like a familiar, in my opinion. And then they usually will choose you as well. And they aren't only your guardian, but you guard them as well. Like you said, they're almost like your child. And I think think there's something very special about it's a symbiotic spiritual relationship that is chosen freely by both individuals. Well, and doesn't the word familiar have roots in family? Yes, because you've seen them so many times. You're agreeing to just participate in mutual benefit without necessarily communicating. Yes. 
I mean, you are communicating, but it's not, there's no human slant to the communication. Yeah. And I guess that's one really cool thing I've realized about, you know, snakes that I have. It's like one big sensory organ. The snake is, it's like a giant ear or a tongue. So I just meditate on that. And like, I really feel it. That's the dopest shit ever, you know, like different animals. If you just focus on different animals, we, you learn, you get to see that all like nearly all of magic is just full of that symbolism. We might say it helps us connect to the deeper parts of ourself or and the parts universe of our, and that we nature. connect to the universe. Yeah and, yeah. and and so, yeah, the snake being like the ultimate in my eyes, like the ultimate sensory organ to that language of the universe, the hidden language. It, it's kind of awesome because it is if you think about the anatomy of the snake. And it's bound to the earth. So it's, you know, it's and, basically and your it's, bridge from the material into the spiritual. You know, yeah, like an eagle doesn't have any connection to earth and everybody associates it in america especially like with super consciousness and yeah. it's like or it's authority cool, but like it's not as wise as the snake in my opinion it's just got power and like ability and the snake's it, got just so much better in terms of its sensory organs and how it lives that's what benjamin franklin thought some of them see an infrared even they got fucking night vision but, but you have to admit, we need eagles and snakes for everything to be in balance. Just because an eagle is better at some things and worse at some things doesn't mean that it can't offer just as much magic. But I see what you're saying, Malachor, in that this, the serpent is a fundamental totem that you work with because it basically, it's like learning the piano before you learn other instruments. It really helps you access those other things. But to me, like an eagle would be a, like a loftier pursuit. Like you wouldn't go after that type of familiar energy. The eagle's just going to ignore you and look down on you. you First know? of all, you need both the eagle and the serpent for the Mexican flag and henceforth tamales. So yes, you're correct. So the balance right. is important. <laughs> Second of all, I've heard, I heard on television that snakes might be to blame for humans' ability to visually see color so well because they selected us that way. The monkeys who couldn't see the colored snake got bit more often, and the ones who did are the ones that survived. Henceforth, the reason we have such visual parts of our vision, the reason we see color is because be of snakes. able to tell the difference between, yeah. like, Seven shades of green. Also poison. Poisonous plants have certain colors that snakes also have and that, you know, other poisonous insects have. There's a reason we can pick those colors out. Not only is it related directly to the way we ate, because arboreal primates that would eat fruit. And if you couldn't see the, the snake in the tree before you got the fruit, well, you'd be dinner. The insulting thing about a snake is that half of the time you're not even dinner. You're just Oh, yeah. Around. It just kills you. <laughs> you just did. Well, it only needs to eat, like, fucking two or three times a year if we're talking giant ones it like kills you and it's like oh no my eyes were bigger a than my, <laughs> my stomach <laughs> okay. my eyes were bigger than my stomach egypt was probably the last dopest kingdom to just put a snake everywhere and be like yeah we own this shit so how are animals and spirits related why do so many spirits in general have animal features many cultures throughout history have viewed animals in a spiritual light understanding their unique qualities and energies it would take an immense amount of time to list all the cultures from across the globe from ancient to modern and explain all their spiritual associations designated to animals so suffice to say that humans have recognized a great many animals for their spiritual characteristics throughout history likewise many of these cultures do share an understanding of what we might describe as linking the physical attributes of animals to spiritual traits and energies. Many animals possess powers and traits that humans lack, 
and yet also have traits that we can relate to because we recognize similar energy within ourselves. Animals have played such a massive part in the everyday life of humans since ancient times uh, for farming, <laughs> hunting, threats of attack, and even reading the movements or calls of animals to learn about the state of the environment. Yeah, that's such a eloquently put way of saying that it's just like there are peers on this planet, there are neighbors, and we always look to yeah. them to see what they're doing. And we've kind of developed a relationship together over the years. So it well, makes sense. Like, uh, Anytime you have a massive storm coming in, for instance, like some, when it's going to rain for more than eight hours is generally the rule. Birds will freak the fuck out right before and when it starts raining. Like you'll hear them all yeah. chattering because they don't know what to do or when the food's going to be available. So if you don't have a spirit connection to the birds, you might find yourself overly moist. <laughs> well, they also are telling each other like, hey, we should find some cover or also like when it rains really hard, that's when all the worms come up from the soil. So they're telling each other, hey, we can go get some fucking worms soon. Rally, rally. Mm, yeah. Or where to take cover until that's until the worms are available. You know, yeah, totally. birds, or where to I take think. cover while they're like waiting to see them. Like where's a good spot where they can see them coming up? Totally. Like a flock of birds just like, hey, remember that one time we each ate like 50 worms in a day? <laughs> it's like, let's go back there. Well, the other interesting thing about animals uh, and our relationship with them is that for the most part, animals are not bogged down by intellect and self-consciousness, but they have all the information or knowledge they need to survive. Especially and even some logic, animals. like a lot of them use Pro tons of logic, of logic too. They don't, they don't need to use it for the same processes that we do. They don't need to keep history or, I don't know. I've thought about this a lot, but nothing comes to mind now. But there is a difference. But they're capable uh, of planning and they understand what happened in the past versus the future. Well, certain animals. Yeah, but no, this is interesting yeah. because it's true. If you really look deeply, it's hard to find an animal that doesn't do something a human does. It's hard to find something that's unique about humans. Yet it's pretty obvious there's a big difference between humans and animals. If, know, I, get, if I had a couple out. of minutes, I could think of a few things that only people do. It seems like I think of one every couple of days. Let's let's keep that as a long run topic because uh, i think that's a decent challenge i think it has to do with our relationship to fire and how we use fire language i want to talk about language, language too because and, I, and abstract thinking language abstract thinking and fire so a major part of norse myth and norse mythology was one of the things that really helped me understand occult cosmology and studying runes the essential magic the the essential creative force in the norse myth is the word W-Y-R-D. Hmm. It's very similar to how the Bible opens up. Yeah. And a lot of their focus is essentially on how our ability to communicate and understand each other puts us on just a different level on this planet. The gods are superior and the gods have power because they have far more command over the word and they understand the word. Odin is Odin because he knows the secrets of the runes. We are going to get back to Odin because ravens are capable of abstract thought. Yes. Mm -hmm. Likewise, there is a relationship between language and animals because it can be argued that our language is derived from the limited set of verbs that we can act out as organisms. Likewise, if animals are a crystallization of spirit, we might see them and their actions as the purified verbs or the essential actions that make up the natural world. It makes sense that we would have language that was directly linked to them or that we would connect language to them in some way because we can observe them doing things. They have a certain... 
there's certain how would you I have a good example of this. Okay. So the the word ferret means to seek out. The yeah. animal's name, the ferret, is also a verb. Mm-hmm. And so within us, we're capable of ferreting things, but right there, in so much as we can ferret things, we can see it externally in this pure manifest form crystallized of spirit right in front of us as the quote ferret if we take a look at ancient egypt we can see that certain aspects of earthly animals were used symbolically to define traits of the neteru the neteru is the plural term for egyptian divine deities likewise the spirit or energy of the neteru were believed to be within the animals that shared these traits regardless of whether that energy was destructive or beneficial ancient egyptians acknowledged these traits admiring and respecting the reflections of the divine in the world around them the object of worship was not the animals themselves, but the gods that took on their forms. So animals acted as a kind of messenger between the people and the gods, as well as encompassing aspects of the divine in their nature. That's why people would worship cats, quote unquote. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're like actually worshiping the reflection of the divine that they can see in the cat. Like, yeah, they're giving thanks to Bastet or uh, perhaps another goddess by treating that, the cat well and feeding it and all that. Yeah. That so, gave me a fucking flashback to being a kid and hearing all, like, several Southern family members try and talk about how old religions compared to Christianity and got it wrong. They worship cats! <laughs> so do we. Yeah, many sacred animals that the Egyptians did, uh, quote, worship, were chosen due to their specific qualities and behaviors and reflected the deity that they epitomized. So the animals were of the gods in the same way that we are of the gods. They were aspects of divinity incarnate. Egyptians held a perspective that many of us can now recognize as being as above, so below. The spirits of the gods were in the animals, much in the same way that the spirits of the gods are in humans and throughout the entire universe. And I would say, like, seeing how each animal reflects its uh, godlike counterpart, you could almost imagine them as little watch like watchmen that will come and see what you're doing and check up on you. So of course, if the gods are sending people to keep tabs on you, so to speak, wouldn't you treat the watchmen with great care and give them gifts of money and bribery and try and look good? <laughs> so that, you know, that's the whole point is you see a cat and you're like, oh, Bastet's watching me. That that was kind of how they thought of it. It wasn't that the yeah. goddess was present, is that if you treat a cat bad or you you murder it for no reason and leave it, you know, and don't even treat it well in death, you know, you don't kill it for hunger, then yeah, she's going to probably come down on you with wrath because she'll find out about it. So that's why yeah. Solid, Solid Snake's onto something about, you know, he can deal with the cat, no problem. He carries cardboard boxes everywhere and he's got lasers on his rifle. So <laughs> he can take on any cat anywhere. <laughs> so like that. That's silly. So this is something that I actually think about a lot too. And that is how many gods have either a, a palpable relationship with an animal or always associated with them, have animal parts. I've been yeah. working with Anubis lately, and that's something that comes to mind a lot. Anubis, some animal magic. They're yeah. just animals. Yeah, yeah. I've been um, meditating on Wepoet. I think there are distinct properties held by animals spiritually that people don't have. And when something ascends or, or achieves the level of being a god, or at least a powerful spirit, they occasionally retain these properties because it's become a part of them over a lot of time spent existing in the material world. Animals a, yeah. are kind of the symbol of the material world. It's a language that precedes of human grammar, right? An invocation of an animal means a lot more and can carry a lot more communication, and it subverts your logical brain. 
It's a way better way to communicate. Oh, yeah. Also, for example, you think, okay, Christianity doesn't have this weird animal stuff in it. If you actually look at it, there's uh, eagles, uh, the lamb of God, there's mm-hmm. dolphins in it, and then there's also lions in their mythology. It's wolves now. Boxes, cats. Yeah, I think what you, you were saying, too, speaks to, like, that's why animals, they respond to body language or gestures very easily. Mm-hmm. It's because they could understand without words being spoken. It's a exactly. very, it's very, it's a very occult thing too that I'm getting to about gestures and stuff and animal symbolism. It's all like below the surface. It's not in the frontal lobe. If you're dealing with a skittish cat, you try to show it your palms or something, you know, so you don't, so it doesn't think you're trying to grab it. You know, you hold your hand back and spread the fingers out, but don't like reach for it. Well, the Egyptians portrayed many of the Neteru anthropomorphically with the heads of animals, or depicted them theriomorphically entirely as animals. Furries um, was kangs. Pardon? <laughs> Furries was Kangs. I have no idea what she said. Let's keep it at that. that. <laughs> so yeah, they like were utilizing an animal's head on top of a human body, and that also ensured that the gods could still interact with the world. Like while at the same time it provided like a visual metaphor of the divine energies expressed through the traits of animals. Well, many people nowadays might look at a beetle rolling dung in the desert as being insignificant or maybe gross, the Egyptians saw in its movements the symbolic representation of the movement of the sun across the sky. The scarab beetle exhibits a unique habit of collecting animal dung, rolling it into a ball, and laying eggs on the ball. Once the larvae hatch, they have immediate access to food. Scarabs were associated with the god Kefri, who pushed the sun across the sky, just like a scarab beetle would roll a ball of dung across the desert floor. Kefri was often depicted as a male figure with a whole beetle set upon his shoulders, which is different to any other hybrid anthropomorphized deities. Who would have the head of the animal and a human body, since the entire beetle, and not just the head, was shown on his shoulders? Kefri was associated with creation and new life, as the subsidiary of the principal creator and sun god, Ra. As such, the scarab beetle was a symbol for rebirth. And it still is. If you look at it and it shows up in the tarot, that is exactly what it means. And almost rebirth as in like a phoenix type of rebirth, almost like an asexual rebirth. Yeah. Like how the sun does every day. Um, This was important because, like you said, the scarab beetle role. Actually, I was reading about it the other day and they put their eggs inside of the dung i think and then it rolls bigger and bigger and then the people would see the male is the one that rolls the ball around there's no female to be seen so they would just see this male rolling the dung ball around and then after they watched the dung ball for Mm. a while all of these babies came out of it and they thought that the male scarab beetle reproduced on its own yeah, the, uh. that whole emergence of new beetles from the balls of dung, that like strengthened that link to the idea of rebirth and divinity. Yes. And yeah. like I said, the well, phoenix, the phoenix is a fire symbol of rebirth where the old burns away and creates a new baby out of the ashes. And so, again, it was a symbol of how the sun dies every day and then it is reborn the next day. And also the sun is the source of all life on Earth. Totally. Even the hieroglyph for the scarab means to come into being like the scarab literally translates as that being which born comes into, that which comes into being or manifestation that's what the hieroglyph of the scarab means it's super cool i like yeah I like so that's the generative principle too that's yeah. cool this is why my nerdy ass just said verbs because they saw some divine verb happening I, i'm yes. thinking of it like in a video game because 
when you play a video game, your character can only do so many things. And I think they thought of it the same way, except there was just more things than we're talking about nature instead of a video game. Also, when weird events happen in nature, then they'll often explain it with spiritual, you know, texts and, and myths. So that same verb that rolled that dung ball across the desert was the same verb that rolled the sun through the sky. And mm -hmm. created the whole everything. And and created, yeah, Creation in general, yeah, from itself, maybe as a male principle from its own ashes. So like Nicolas Cage is a dung beetle in Mandy poop. Um, Nicolas Cage is a dung beetle. I would just hate to be born in a ball of shit. Yeah. I mean, uh, our, wait, wait, wait a second. You're human. Hey, wait a second. We would have been. Yeah, what? Yeah, Mardo, <laughs> you would see that fetid dung heap and it would smell sweet because it's comfort when compared to being chased by demons in Karmic Avengers. It's actually not like a disgusting ball of dung. Like the female scarab beetle actually like Very, goes and, it's and a makes- a clean ball of dung. It is. It is actually like she it's she makes it. <laughs> she like removes any mold and stuff. She keeps it like really clean so that they can this still is my eat it. Special pile and, of shit. Yeah, and scarab beetles do that, and they also bury themselves, and that's how they ended up being associated as well with protection because like they they can take away the bad stuff and they'll bury themselves in the sand so that. They have this like oh. rebirth and protection aspect. Egyptians actually did kind of have like a weird relationship with shit. One of the first <laughs> contraceptives was a mixture of crocodile shit and honey. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I like Egypt too much. Yeah, the uh, the sun rises in the morning like a like an expanding ball of shit. Well, SHT is like associated with Satan. And then of course we always talk about the sun at its height is set or shit. Anyway, stretched before that reach, it was actually pretty good. Thank you. Well, okay. The shit like SHT does have a lot to do with the devil. Like it does. Okay. But nobody wants to talk about shit. Everyone wants to talk about cats because I want to talk about shit. <laughs> well, you know, when you have a cat, yeah, I've heard somebody say they'd rather eat a bunny poop than clean a cat's litter box. They would rather eat a rabbit turd than touch well, a cat shit. Rabbit, technically, rabbit turds are edible. Okay, Who well, the technically, fuck shit says is that? edible. That's yeah. gross. Well, you for the rabbit, eat cardboard box. The rabbit, the rabbit's supposed to eat it, but it, it like it. He, they partially digest it. It's like the same that it went in. Yeah, it's like a cat. Fucking heck is about to have a conniption. I watch my Come bunnies on. eat their own shit, and it. I like. I just have to accept that bunnies eat their own shit. But yeah, like, I'm not into whatever it's called, corpophagia. Not bro. <laughs> okay, but if carnivores do it, it, arguably, if a carnivore has that, it, then that's gross. That's grosser than if when it's a rabbit. Okay. Nobody <laughs> is saying they like shit. They're just saying if they had to choose, you get a million dollars to <laughs> eat one rabbit turd or get your hands covered in cat shit. This one person would just eat the turd and be done with it. What's all the right, shit to your right. shit? What's the shit to your shit? It's not like you have to touch cat shit with your hands. Exactly. When you no. A litter box. That no, may have been his point. Obviously, this person obviously has never had a cat. <laughs> Okay, well, look, in their defense, cats carry toxoplasmosis. It's, it's the original true. biological weapon. It is true. <laughs> thank you, Dingus. Thank you. Now that we've talked a little bit about the poo-poo, we have to get to the, the witches and the black cats. 
Now, despite the fact this definition does not name animals as the defining trait of a familiar, there is the classical image of the wart-nosed black cauldron stirring and most importantly, black cat having witch. Also, Baba Yaga would have a crow and she has the cauldron too. It's worth noting, however, the cat, especially the black cat variety, was not feared so much for being a servant of the witch, but for being, in fact, the witch herself. A trick which had a hard stop limiter in place. It would only work nine times before the conjurer was stuck that way. In Celtic folklore, this black cat was not merely your ordinary pussy. It was the nefariously cute, soul-stealing, mischief-making cat she. It's spelled Sith, but it's pronounced like Banshee. Oh, well, they they pronounce it wrong then in Final Fantasy, don't they? Yeah. Because they say Kate Sith in uh, Final Fantasy. There are only two Sith. They're probably doing that on purpose. I don't know. So it's Kate. Tell me of this additional Sith. I believe it's pronounced she, but it is spelled like the Star Wars bad guys. And I believe Lucas did, in fact, do that on purpose for a reason. But this is not that episode. I wish my pronoun was Darth. you're, You're making me want to talk about it. These fearsome fellows were said to roam the Scottish Highlands. They are said to be black in color except for a distinctive white patch on their chest. Without mincing words, this was understood to be, if not a witch in disguise, a sort of fairy cat. Back before fairies were cute and fun, it was described to be as the size of a dog, often portrayed, now stereotypically, with its back arched and bristles erect. As a denizen of the underworld, which all fairies were understood to be, it was sincerely feared that one of these fellers might abscond with the souls of the recent departed prior to their burial if certain precautions were not taken during the later stages of the wake interesting i don't want to try and pronounce celtic words but it was called the late wake where you took these precautions specifically these ritual precautions included playing with the house cat feeding it catnip playing it music and best of all telling it confusing or unanswerable riddles in hopes that it would be too distracted to steal Aunt Clara's soul and deliver it to the hungry denizens that live in the accursed blueberry shrub in the forbidden nook atop Blueberry Hill. Aside the wake, the cat she would be propitiated on Halloween by leaving a saucer of milk, as this would impart a blessing from the fairy cat. Failure to provide a saucer of milk, however, assured that your lot of cows would be barren and have dry udders until next year. Sad. That's why they switched to uh, potatoes. <laughs> Cats hate potatoes. They don't want any of that shit. In this folklore specifically, fairies would often live around or they would congregate near burial mounds, which is where they would bury people, like in big piles. So fairies were often found around there. So it would make sense that there would be like, a. and then this also sounds like a cat just looking for something to eat. And like, maybe you forgot to bury the body quick enough and, you know, it got a hand or something. So it's just an interesting legend. But fairies are always usually found at human graveyards. Can you imagine putting somebody in the ground and seeing a fucking raccoon like 50 yards away, grab a finger bone and run off and thinking, (laughs) Grandma, the fairy's got grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a raccoon or is it a tanuki? Does it have giant balls or no? Probably Uh, not a tanuki. They wouldn't be thinking about the tanuki. So if it had giant balls, they would probably say it was a fairy. Tanuki have giant balls. When Alistair Crowley came to take over the Golden Dawn, he showed up in full like Scots Irish garb. And it was a popular idea in this era in the occult circles, most likely, that these ancient Celtic mythologies regarding the underworld and fairies were an echo of that pan-cultural idea of the underworld and the sun living in the underworld, and most importantly, the ideas of ancient Egypt. So to them, they were like, we are the Sith. 
And you can see where Lucas probably got that from. Anyway, some suggest this legend originated with the Scottish wildcat, which is unique on the British Isles, who, after breeding with house cats, was said to produce the Kellis cat, a beast considered mythological until some dude in 1984 killed one in a snare. These are rare animals, but they do resemble the ones of myth. Well, some asshole That's killed cool. a spiritual god in animal form. He did Dude. it on accident. Yeah. It wasn't like he was the, the British police or whatever, just Bro, cap, did you capping that magical uh, fawn or whatever. A fucking stag. beautiful white stag. Oh my God, that was terrible news. That's why everyone was so pissed too, because they still, like, even though those people don't really worship pagan gods or, or even symbols of them or the animals, but it's a cultural, killing it, it's cultural, like yeah. you kill it. It's like spitting on their heritage. Uh, Christianity also adopted the symbol of the stag. And that story is retold on the Jägermeister bottle. And that's yeah. another example of how Christianity has adopted this magical shit about animals. Man, I said that. But that white stag is still not going to heaven. There's a familiar. There's a familiar in the Bible. It's in one of Jesus's parables. It's about a man who beat or strikes a donkey or something like that. He just treats his donkey like shit, loads up all the shit on the donkey and they go places. And, you know, it's just a hard life for that thing. And uh, one day it speaks to him and it says, hey, you asshole, God's coming for you. You're going to (laughs) die. I don't remember any more specifics, but he did die. I think it said his heart turned to stone or something. And then Jesus was riding a donkey around at some t- sometime during Palm Sunday, so maybe he took the donkey. I found a donkey in Red Dead Redemption 2. He was so fast, even though he was tiny. And then, apparently, donkeys are actually kind of fast. Be nice to donkeys. They, they run like you. 15 to 25 miles per hour. That's fast. Horses That's... go like 50. You can get a an American mammoth donkey. That thing is fucking giant. It's like a, it's huge. If you can Google pictures of them. They're not photoshopped. They're, that's an actual breed of donkey. And it's like Are the they... size of a giant horse. Is it like the biggest ass you've ever seen? Biggest ass. <laughs> <laughs> the fattest ass I've ever seen. Fucking Sir Mix-a-Lot has a whole garage full of them. Yeah, boy. Heck, oh, did you talk about more cats? Big more ones, cats. More cats. cats. No are... more cats. More cats. Stop. We have too many. This is like a Death Star beam of cat memes just blasting <laughs> a, a fresh planet. It smells like piss. They're always fighting in the in the fucking air conditioning ducts. This is terrible. Give up some of the cats. Well, cats were if another... you have five oh cats, God. they're not your familiars. <laughs> Five cat. It's like a hundred rat, right? Hundred rat demon. And in fact, there's a seven macaw god, but we'll get cool. there. But we okay. want to talk about cats! Well, Hurry okay. Up and do it. Okay, so cats were another very important animal in ancient Egypt, like both as pets and as living symbols of cat deities, most famous being Bastet or Bast. Some might know her as the domesticated cats that we know and love today. Uh, they have their origins in ancient Egypt at least 4,600 years ago. Cats were considered so sacred in Egypt that the punishment for killing a cat was very severe. And this exact reason is the reason why the cats of Ulthar is my favorite Lovecraft story. <laughs> very short story. It's anyway, good. <laughs> it's good. It's pretty good. So it was common for most households to have a pet cat in ancient times uh, since cats were considered descendants of Bast, the goddess of moonlight, and 
infertility. They were greatly appreciated for their hunting abilities because they kept store grain safe from rodents. And of course, they killed the deadly cobras and other snakes that came into the households. I have a theory that if a cat died killing a cobra, that's probably how they started mummifying cats because they were like honoring it. Like, you protected us. That's my theory. I don't know if that's fact. Yeah, the snake could probably get a couple good blows in before the poison kicks in. Yeah. The cat will just fucking eat him. Like, or a scorpion. Like, why wouldn't oh. you Why wouldn't you honor a cat that, like, died protecting your household from a venomous cobra, you know? That's why, I like, I would just love to be a cat man back in ancient Egypt. Just, like, 30 cats, you know? Yeah. I think cats are, are, like, really interesting in a lot of ways. Uh, for instance, and I've only seen men with this compulsion. Uh, there, there are men out there who are just compelled to kill cats. I live next to a preacher that would shoot stray cats. What? I, I, I know they just shoot stray cats. Like cats, I hate see cats. them roaming around the neighborhood and they disappear. And we knew why, because Brother Scott was shooting fucking cats in his backyard. Now he should read the Cats of Althar. I always associated it with like misogyny or something, you know? Is there a feminine symbol? And... Totally. Okay, go on. Well, then there's the crazy cat lady. Well, serial killer profiling takes that into account, Dingus. Yeah. Crazy yeah. cat. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's one of the habits. Killing cats is popular amongst serial murderers and rapists. And teenagers. And teenagers, but I, I don't know. There, I feel like if you killed a lot of cats as a teenager, you are more likely to be a serial killer than a teenager that did not kill cats. I lied. I don't have two facts about cats. I have two facts about the internet. Fact number one, people on the internet love cats, and if you hurt a cat on the internet, you will have a lot of outrage against you, rightfully. And number two, 4chan can literally find anybody, and they will hunt you down if you are a known cat hurting person. Or this has at least been documented, and there is at least a documentary about it on Netflix, I'm pretty sure. I think it's called Don't Fuck With Cats. Not even do music. Look, <laughs> if you want, like, an idea of the, the way that 4chan can fuck with you just look up he will not divide us they can find anybody it's scary it was like it was like the uh i don't know it was the biggest instance of them tracking somebody down shia labeouf installed this display after trump's election it was a black flag that said he will not divide us and i guess that went real well uh but he moved that shit five times at first 4chan people would just kind of come up the flag was always live stream and they just kind of come up and, and, and shit post in front of the camera where the flag was displayed. So they moved it and they found it out in the countryside somewhere and flew a drone with a fucking flamethrower to it and burned it down. This repeated five times. So Anyways, if you hurt a cat, if you hurt a cat, those exact same people are coming after you. Dude, they used fucking trigonometry and, and like look, looked at a, a plane that was flying overhead. And somebody said that they heard the same plane from the one on the camera. And they looked at flight paths and shit and found it. It was impressive. It's one of my favorite Internet stories. A long time ago, when I was a little kid, when the Internet was brand new, y'all remember something awful forums. Uh -huh. A lot of memes would come off of there and then there would be like shit posting and lol cows like making fun of people on the Internet. And then there'd be a part of the forum where they'd find people that would abuse animals and people and they'd go after them and get for and 4chan was also involved. But um, aside from that, uh, so they found somebody who lit a kitten on fire and posted a video online of it and was sharing it around. 
And so Something Awful made a meme about it. And that's why I said not even Doom music, because apparently the kid that posted the video posted Doom music over the top of the video. And the internet decided not even Doom music makes this video okay. And that person got put in prison for animal abuse. Because they found out he was hurting people, like he was going to hurt people too. He had a violent history in school and stuff. And he had already hurt other animals. In the, and then he was put in juvenile hall for that. Oh man, if he pulled that shit in ancient Egypt, like, yeah, they wouldn't. They would cut off his baby. hands and they wouldn't even rub any crocodile shit on the wound. I think but there's they, like a they, magical but, answer to if you kill these kinds of animals, why these people end up killing people. You know, but they, yeah. It was it's, just so wild that they memed it all over the internet and everybody, everybody stood up for the animal. The police station got called like a billion times and this person got served justice like immediately. And the police had found a fucking out. field day because it was finally a crime that they didn't actually have to investigate their favor. Yeah, justice <laughs> is like a hunter. I mean, yeah. Justice is like a hunter that'll peg a fucking pregnant doe. But thank God for 4chan and something awful and that, you know, and that's happened over and over again, like you guys said. Thank thank God for 4chan! It's funny that you say justice is a hunter because the domesticated cat was a symbol of grace and poise because of the way it moves and hunts its prey. Feline grace is associated with Bastet. She's a goddess of dance and music. Bastet and other domestic cat deities were regarded as being more gentle and calming versions of the ferocious lion Netaru. Bastet was most commonly identified as a protector of children. She was associated with female sexuality and fertility, as well as the protection of infants and pregnant women. Even though in modern times, it's recommended that pregnant women don't clean litter boxes, and sometimes <laughs> cats just like to sit on faces. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you wake up to a cat butt in the morning and it's like oh well that's what i get when my cat cuddles she goes she like you know how they go in circles to find where they want to lay down she but she always stops with her asshole right in front of my face <laughs> i think yeah. they just love doing that like they, i think they're offering you a chance to like say hello and i'm like no i'm a human i don't I, i'll shake your paw how about give high five it's kind of like how a dog wants to sniff your butt and you're like what the fine and then they're like why won't you why why are you not okay with me sniffing your butt just once they love it it's and if you, friendly little just just a little, little little love pick and if you'd like to hear us talk more about sniffing butts please visit www.patreon.com slash the whole rabbit where you can get all our extended episodes access to our discord server a five by five vinyl sticker of our cover art and for a limited time a bonus holographic sticker designed by maury sama herself wow it's not that good but more coming you know five more coming the next one's great. Five bucks yeah. is cheaper than it's cheaper than a imported British candy bar. It's true. Yeah. Okay, I just want to uh, just want to throw this out there as well. We're now doing community nights and live streams. I don't know if we settled on a day yet, but check in periodically. Probably gonna be playing some Far Cry Five soon. Oh yeah. We're gonna stream that on YouTube. We gonna stream it on YouTube. Yeah, we're streaming on YouTube. Sometimes I take acid on camera. And you're you're welcome to come and hang with us while we die over and over on Bloodborne and ask Ooh. us questions. Yeah, we're gonna call yeah, ask us questions. We don't actually have a whole lot to talk about all the time, so like ask us questions. I love tell Bloodborne. Us, yeah, Malachor and Hecker are gonna play Bloodborne. Shit you're thinking about. Yeah, tell I'm us to be crazy a moderator. Shit. I'll take the Q and A. Sweet. Thank yeah. you, everybody. Eat, Eat carrots. carrots and shoot lasers.